3: Their defense finally comes through. I don't know if anybody saw that that was going to actually be the case. Phenomenal play by Carlos Dunlap. If you watch that final drive from the uh, Arizona Cardinals, when they decided to uh, fourth and ten, the Seahawks only brought three guys. Yet Dunlap got home, got the sack. Eight people were dropping into coverage to try to stop the Arizona Cardinals from being able to convert that fourth and ten. And I think everybody had to be stunned, including certainly Kyler Murray, that his offensive line couldn't block well enough for him, even with only three Seahawk defenders coming. They got to him pretty fast. He didn't really have much time to look down the field. It's a heck of a play by Carlos Dunlap. Great addition for the Seattle Seahawks who have been struggling, certainly with every aspect of their defense, but in particular, their ability to get to the quarterback. And so, adding Carlos Dunlap, I mean, that might have been a sack that was worth a win in terms of that play that he made alone on that individual uh, 4th and 10 play. So if you are a Seahawks fan, hey, you had pretty good defense against the Rams, now pretty good defense against the Cardinals. Maybe, possibly, that defense is starting to turn the corner and Russell Wilson is not going to have to carry the offense every single week after week after week, Uh, maybe, possibly, they're going to start to get a little bit better. So that was a great game. Entertaining game. Big-time NFC West showdown. There's also a lot of huge college football games and NFL games, and that's why Dub is going to join me here, and we're going to pick and discuss the best NFL games and the best college football games for you guys so you don't miss anything at all, and make sure you see the best possible games. Now, don't want to brag or draw attention to myself, but we did go 6-0 and in our OutKick six-pack of picks. And those gambling picks are going to be the final segment of the show, as they always are on Friday, the NFL OutKick six-pack of picks. But right now, uh, I can tell you that the game that I am picking is going to be in the outkick six pack of picks. And that is the Titans on the road against the Ravens. I think it's the best game in the NFL this weekend. Let me explain why. Both teams are six and three. Both teams are coming off of a tough loss that left many saying, What's going on here exactly? The Titans lost at home on Thursday night. They were up 17 to 13 with around five minutes to go in the third quarter. And then their punter uncorked a 17-yard punt, got a punt block for a touchdown, another touchdown from the Colts, and from there, it was an absolute blitzkrieg of success from the Indianapolis Colts franchise, dominating in the final 20 minutes of that game. Titans have had a lot of time to sit around and think about it. They started off 5-0. and They are now sitting at 6-3, and just 1-3 in their last four games. You might be able to say, okay, the loss to the Colts is okay. The loss to the Steelers, certainly okay. But the loss to the Bengals, wobbly. Now they're going on the road for a rematch of what turned into a big upset in the playoffs last year. Titans went on the road and beat the Ravens. If you are a Ravens fan, you are sitting around and saying, wait a minute, Lamar Jackson's just 6-4 and in his last 10. We lost to the uh, Patriots. We lost to the Chiefs really handily. Lamar turned it over four times in a loss against the Steelers. We're probably not going to win the AFC North. We've got the Titans coming to town. We haven't really beaten that many good teams. I know you beat the Colts, and I know you beat the, the, the Browns, but this is an opportunity for us as the Ravens to establish that we're ready to get on a roll for the second half of the season, that we are a legitimate contender to win playoff games. The AFC playoff picture is so stacked right now. There are nine teams that are six and three or better. It's possible somebody could get to 10 and six and maybe not make the playoffs, which is unheard of. 11 and five, truly unheard of. And so this is a pretty massive game for both teams. The Ravens around the six point favorite. Titans haven't been good at getting pressure on the quarterback, but arguably. That doesn't necessarily matter as much against Lamar Jackson because it's more about containing him than it is sacking him. So there are a lot of moving parts here. I'm intrigued to see what ends up happening. I'm going to give you my pick at the end of the show, but I think the best NFL game out there, if I could only pick one, Titans on the road against the Ravens this weekend, a 1 Eastern, 12 Central 11 Mountain, and uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, West Coast kick. What about you, Dub?
4: Yeah, that's definitely going to be a good one. Rematch of last year's playoff game where your Titans absolutely dominated. So definitely definitely interested in that one. I'm going to stick in the AFC. I'm just going to move a little bit to the West. I'm taking Kansas City at the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, yep. when these two teams met earlier in the season, the Raiders upset the Chiefs, handed them their only loss of the season so far. And Andy Reid, earlier this week, we talked about this. He made comments about how the Raiders handled you know, their their victory laps, uh, literally, in Kansas City. And we don't really hear that from Andy Reid often. He doesn't really go to the microphone to talk about that sort of stuff. I It's honestly the first time I can even recall him making any comments similar to those that he made this week. So obviously the Chiefs, they're going to be motivated for this game. And that's a theme that we've been talking about throughout this NFL season with the Chiefs are they up for this game or are they down for this game they play up and down to their opponent well this week i think they're treating this like a playoff game basically it's a division game it's a great it's a game for kansas city for the afc playoff pictures because as we know the steelers are undefeated they're trying to stay hot on the steelers heels to get that number 1 seed so i think kansas city is super motivated to win this game now for the raiders the raiders have been playing some pretty good football this year you mentioned the AFC playoff race, well, they're right in the thick of that at 6-3. and three. They have, as we stand right now, one of the AFC wild card, uh places. Uh, so they're going to want to win this game in order to stay inside that race as well. They obviously have a decent formula for the Chiefs because they, they beat them pretty well. The score was closer than that game actually was. They basically blew the Chiefs out earlier in this season. So I think this is going to be a great matchup. Andy Reid versus John Gruden in the Death Star in Vegas.
3: All right, what about college football? I'll let you pick first. We uh, gave you our two NFL picks, must watch. What's your top college football draft pick?
4: Well, this is going to be – I mean, this is one of the best rivalries in college football, Oklahoma State at OU. Now, Bedlam, OU, baby. Yeah, Bedlam. This one always gets hot and heated, and it's always close. It's always close. Even when OSU is not very good, they've upset OU. OU's, you know, it goes back and forth every single year. Now, OU, they started off the season – Not great. Okay, they were 1-2 and to start off the season. They beat Missouri State, then they lost to Kansas State, then the very next week they lost to Iowa State. But since then, they've beaten Texas, they've beaten TCU, they've beaten Texas Tech, and then, like they did, like many teams do, they beat the absolute doors off of Kansas two weeks ago. They're coming off a bye into Oklahoma State. I think this is going to be a great matchup. Oklahoma State, a lot of people had this team coming out of the Big 12 into the college football playoff preseason making their selections I don't think the playoff is in the Oklahoma State's future or frankly anybody in the Big 12 but if there if it is going to be any chance at all they're going to have to put it to OU this week and I think it's going to be a fabulous game I kind of like Oklahoma State in this spot on the road because I think they're a team that has more to play for at this point in the season them only having one loss versus OU's two losses
3: yeah look Oklahoma State if you are a Cowboy fan if they win out they would still be in the mix to potentially be a college football playoff team. I think that's the only opportunity, really, for the Big 12 to get a team into the college football playoff because Oklahoma State is the only team with only one loss. So uh, if you're trying to keep tabs on the playoff picture, that certainly is a a big game to follow. Regardless, it's a massive and monstrous and awesome in-state rivalry game. And so I almost uh, lost my voice there as I was trying to uh, trying to picture all the Bedlam. My voice nearly uh, went went full uh, kaput there. So uh, as we roll forward, you've got Bedlam. I'm going to go with a game that would have been laughably absurd if I had said it was going to be the toughest game remaining on Ohio State's schedule when the season began, but it's Indiana. Indiana is 4-0. Tom Allen's team is rolling right now. They're the only other undefeated Big Ten East team. Whoever wins this game is likely going to be representing the Big Ten in the Big Ten uh, title game. And honestly, it's a massive line, but I think Indiana's going to play them pretty well. I think Tom Allen's team, nowhere near as talented as Ohio State. Nobody other than Michigan and Penn State is anywhere near as talented from a pure roster perspective as, uh, as Ohio State is. But I think 21 is way too big of a number here. Based on the way that Indiana has played, they feel like a team that believes in each other. Pennix is playing really well at the quarterback position. We haven't really seen Ohio State challenged in any way. Justin Fields has been playing out of his mind. I told you earlier, I feel like the four playoff teams in order are going to be Alabama as the one seed. Uh, I think that Ohio State's going to be the two. The three seed, I believe, will be Clemson. And then I think Notre Dame's going to get in as the four. That's my prediction. And at some point, Ohio State is going to have to send a message. And maybe it's not going to be until they get into the Big Ten title game against, theoretically, Wisconsin, if everything goes well there. But the Buckeyes need to get a challenge, need to get a little bit of a run going. And I think Indiana gives them one this weekend. Our buddy Joel Clatt, Gus Johnson, will be calling it. Jenny Taft. Should be a really entertaining game to watch. I think 21 is a wildly outlandish line here. I expect for this game to be relatively close. Uh, And before all is said and done, uh, I believe that this will be around a 10 or a 14-point spread at most. I gave you this pick yesterday. I like Indiana to cover. And I think they'll give Ohio State and Buckeye fans a little bit of a scare early in this game before Ohio State finds a way to win down the stretch. Joined now by Barrett Salee as we roll through an upcoming, hopefully, pretty packed college football schedule. Also, the NFL obviously rolling as well. Barrett, you're down in Atlanta. Does it feel crazy? Are you ready for double Senate campaigns? I know you're excited.
1: Can't wait for more commercials. Good. They've already started. Like All of these candidates have killed people. They're all the devil. Yeah. I mean, it's (laughs)
3: <laughs> Just like- it 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 is it is kind of wacky. I was reading an article the other day, and it was talking about. I think they they spent a hundred and fifty million dollars in South Carolina and in Maine and in all these different states. They literally have reached the point where they raise so much money. That they don't even know what to do with it, right? I mean, they buy every single. I'm sure it's great the fact that you have double senate campaigns still going in Georgia. I'm sure it's great for local television dollars, dude. Like but honestly, they literally can't spend the money that they are raising because people are just like, I'm so. I can't even imagine because people are so tired of the election already, and then you guys get two more months of it after everybody else all over the state of Georgia.
1: Do you know how much I would kill for like a My Pillow commercial or a Liberty <laughs> Liberty Mutual, like that Liberty song? It'll, yeah. I would
3: kill for those commercials at this point. Yeah. And yet they're, they're not. Especially, I'm sure that during all the sports that you're watching, it's all Senate campaign ads pretty much, right? Oh, I mean, because they just awful. have to, yeah. They have to spend the money somehow, and there's only so much programming they can put it on. Yeah, like, that's right. People
1: watch live sports, and they have to watch the commercials. Oh, God, it's awful. I'm just, it's
3: awful. All right, so uh, so let's dive into what's not awful, college football. It feels like, and I feel like I need to knock on wood all around and everything else, feels like this week in terms of the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the Pac-12 is going to have less cancellations than last week. Are we through the worst of it, you think, or... Do you think there's still major, major issues on the horizon just in terms of being able to play games between now and when theoretically the conference championship games will be played about a month from now?
1: I think we're still in, in some trouble. Um, not, not necessarily the number of teams. You know, I think that's going to probably continue to go down, but it's the impact that, the, that any cancellations will make. Because, you know, you've seen, I mean, you follow this, you know, more than anybody, that the numbers are rising. Like the case, you know, whether we could argue what, you know, the the validity is and, and how, you know, how many, what the death rate is, all that stuff. But they're still rising, right? And so, really, that's all that matters in terms of, you know, even if these kids are asymptomatic, they still have to sit, they still have the contact tracing rules, and there's a smaller window. And I think that's the biggest thing is that let's just say Ohio State has positive tests next week in contact tracing or whatnot. And then you're talking about the second half of their season essentially being in jeopardy, right? So I think that's the biggest thing now. Even if there's fewer games canceled per week, the, the impact, especially if, if they involve teams, uh, in the college football playoff race, will be far greater than they have been. You know, through the first few weeks of this.
3: So this is kind of uh, this is kind of interesting. Yesterday on the radio program, I got into what I think is a pretty fascinating question. You were a big part of uh, of paying attention and and being involved in all the people who said it's impossible to play college football. Right? You saw mm-hmm. the what I call the Corona Bros, the argument that it was impossible to play college football yes. in the in the fall. Those people, I back. think, yeah, well, have been proven wrong to a large <laughs> extent. But I haven't seen a single person saying you can't play college basketball. And I'm just fascinated by the dichotomy between the two. Because if anything, if you're arguing you can't play college football, I obviously disagree with you. But college football primarily being played in the fall outdoors. College basketball primarily being played in the winter indoors requiring abundant travel, right? Whereas the average college football team doesn't really have to travel very much. They don't have to stay in hotels very often. You're on a plane a lot of the time or on a bus traveling, hotels, all those things a lot with college basketball, far more than college football. And and you're indoors during a time when the viral spread, regardless of what the virus is, is going to spread a lot worse in the winter than it is during the fall or the spring or the summer for sure. Why have those arguments not been made? College basketball is going to start next week, and I'm in favor of it being played, but I just find that divergence, that dichotomy to be so fascinating. Why has there been no argument against college basketball and there were so many people arguing against college football? Because it doesn't drive clicks. Do you think uh, that, that is that, that people just care so much more about college football?
1: Yeah, and and I think partly. Like, look, I, I think that there the the and I'm not. Necess- that's not necessarily a criticism of of those. Pe- I, mean, it, I guess it kind of is. But if if let's just say that I think you know I, that I'm one of those you know coronavirus that you call. Them. Um, if I want to make my point, like right, if I believe everything that I'm writing and I'm saying, my vehicle to make my point is is far it's a it's a much bigger microphone for college football like if you're talking about it in the context of college football so you know i think if people want to believe people believe whatever they want right like and it's become political which is stupid um but it's if if I truly believe something one way or the other i i don't think using college basketball to deliver it would will make as much of an impact as college football. And I think that's proven, right? Because think about how much we talked about college football in June, July, August, right. When they weren't playing. a ton. Like it was all, it was all about how are you going to do college football? How are you going to do classes? What are you going to do if they're, they're online, all that other stuff. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's, we don't have that with college basketball because obviously it's not as popular and it has been drowned out. So if we talk about it, you know, within the context of, of the preseason, the NFL there, the college football there, we had, you know, baseball wrapping up, you know, a few weeks ago, it's just it, the the microphone is not as big. So even if you do believe all of the things that you're whatever your opinion is, whether it's, the, it's over-exaggerated or it's, you know, it's far worse than they're saying, whatever it is, you're not going to use basketball to deliver it because it's not going to be impactful.
3: Also, I think it's probably to some extent that they've recognized they're not going to win the battle right well and that the, too <laughs> the election is over notwithstanding the way we started this conversation with everything still oh, going on in the, the georgia election senate
1: not over in georgia yeah,
3: yeah. i know the, the election not so- is not over if you're still living in georgia you got to go all the way what is it january 5th that you guys have to wait till now god it sucks yes january. and you'll probably have another another recount another two weeks there so you're probably talking about almost all the way through uh, january before people in georgia can escape politics it'll be almost why time you hate the- me
1: why are you it'll be it'll be almost time
3: me? It's almost time for the midterms by uh, by the time you guys get uh, everything resolved in Georgia. All right, so we're talking to Barrett silly All right, let's go into college football. Right now, if you were voting, who should be the Heisman Trophy winner? And how do you think your answer is likely to change between now and when the season is complete, if at all?
1: Right now, I'd say Kyle Trask. Um, I think what he's done to that Florida offense and, and how he's handled the absence of Kyle Pitts and you know not miss a beat, whether it be the, the second half of the Georgia game or really the last three quarters of the Georgia game or last week against a, a pretty good Arkansas defense. It's he's just he's so good. He has so much command of that offense. He has he knows where to go go with the football. He you know he he makes changes at the line of scrimmage, which is rare for a Dan Mullen offense. And, you know, I just think that matters. Um I would you know Mac Jones is in that conversation too, so I guess if 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 something's going to impact it, it, it might be a head to head matchup between those two in, in Atlanta in the SEC Championship game. Uh, Trevor and Justin Fields, I think the, the problem with them is they're not getting, you know, the, the, the scarcity is going to come back to hurt them. Because if you see Mac Jones and Kyle Trask do it for 10 games or nine games or eight games or whatever, and you see Trevor do it in six or seven and Justin do it in five or six, that, that does matter. It, it does. And then especially, you know, I think the competition in the SEC obviously is, is tougher too. So I, I think Kyle Trask and Mac Jones head-to-head will do a lot towards changing my opinion. And I think maybe they have to lose, like not play games for – for Trevor and for Justin to catch back up, because I think Kyle's done it for so long already. I guess the one thing also is that it could be Kyle' stress fatigue. All right, so like if if he marginally struggles against you know Alabama or if he marginally struggles against LSU, a bad LSU defense, then that might have more of an impact. Not necessarily for me, but I think maybe from a lot of folks in terms of recency bias and just kind of you know how it naturally at the end of the season. People kind of try to look for somebody else to, to sort of focus on.
3: How so one of the challenging things you just hit on is difference of games, difference of quality of competition, even more magnified this year than it usually is, right? Because we'll sit around and be like, okay, how do we assess this Ohio State 12 team regular, 12 game regular schedule compared to Alabama or whoever it might be? Now we're going to be potentially comparing a 11-game season, maybe, in the SEC versus a 6- or 7-game season in the Big Ten versus a 5- or 6-game schedule in the Pac-12. How do you think the college football playoff committee will end up assessing things, and who do you anticipate will end up in the playoff at this point in time?
1: I think the way that it's, just, it's going to be eye test way more than anything else because you really can't use strength of schedule because, you know, it's it's, it's all, strength of schedule is going to be all about the eye test, right? So, you know, you that's sort of, you know, ingrained in each other. They're kind of weaved into the same conversation. Uh, so I, I think you're going to have that more than anything else. I think you're going to have, um, obviously, you know, wins and losses, but I think, you know, style points are going to matter um, more, more for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten because of scarcity than the SEC, ACC, whatever. Uh, so I think it's, the teams that are you know up there right now, if chalk holds, that's going to matter a whole lot more because it's going to be hard to talk yourself into Texas A and M. It's going to be hard to talk yourself into BYU or somebody like that. So um, the, the teams up there right now: Clemson, Notre Dame, Alabama, Ohio State, Florida. You know, I guess Texas State to an extent, but they're blocked by Florida. Um, I mean, I'm not, they're not blocked by Florida; they're, they're blocked by Alabama. Um, you know, it's just it's. You're you're at a, a massive advantage if you've already got that going for you because clearly the eye test is also in your favor.
3: Do you think that we will end up in a situation where the college football playoff committee announces the college football playoff on December 20th? In other words, do we play the conference title games as they are presently constituted and scheduled on December 19th, or do you think there's a schedule change?
1: Been back and forth on this. I would say I am about 60-40 that it goes on as scheduled right now. Uh, you know, although there has to have been obviously some some games later this week that have been canceled as well. But I I just think that it's it, it, they're not going to want to make a decision this late on something as big as the college football playoff, which I think, incidentally, is, is not the way you should approach it. But if I had to guess, I would say they just kind of go along with it the way it is because they don't know. It could be worse, you know, if they delay it, right? Like, if, what if more games get canceled on December 12th or December 19th? They yeah. Have the conference camp. You know, it's just, you might not be able to play them. So, I, I think at, to a point, at some point, you have to say, okay, let's just rip off the Band-Aid. Let's just do it. It's going to suck. It's going to be messy. But this is the way it's going to be this year. And you know if if that ends up not being the right decision okay fine but it's the more appropriate decision right now you can't you, you can't make that decision and look back in hindsight you just you can't do it you just got to make a decision and go with it and right now i think it's going to be that everything goes on as scheduled
3: we're talking to barrett salee cbs sports as a part of that there has been a discussion hey should we ex- expand the overall college football playoff And the argument for why it should happen is what we just talked about, the difficulty of assessing overall teams, the fact that certainly there are Pac-12, let's say, for example, going to get left out, barring almost something crazy. Same thing with the Big 12 champion, all those things. The argument against it is eight teams have way more things that could go wrong than four teams do which is why I'm in favor in general of expanding the playoff to eight. I don't know what your perspective is on that, but I think this year is the wrong one to even consider it because of all the difficulties. I think four is the right number to hit. How would you assess whether expanding the playoff makes sense? And do you agree with me that going to eight this year makes it way more complicated?
1: Well, I, I agree with you that it makes it way more complicated, and I'm vehemently pro-14 playoffs, like just in general. I think the 18 playoff is awful to be awful. But, uh, yeah, definitely this year because you almost need scarcity You almost because you're right. It, it would lead to if you have more teams, and I think we all know there's a massive difference between the top four and then the potential in the next four that come in. Right. Like it's just, there's a massive difference between those teams. So if you're just expanding for the sake of expanding, you're giving yourself more of an, uh, of a problem, or at least the threat of a problem with COVID once those teams, um, you know, go play their games and travel and do what they got to do. So uh, I do think if you're, if you keep it at four, and you can create a pseudo bubble, you can get them out there for, you know, a week, whether it's California or New Orleans and, you know, literally keep them in a bubble. Not, not. Don't send them to these children children's hospital. Don't send them to, you know, Bubba Gump shrimp and have an eating contest. Like, don't. Just don't. And that I think is a lot easier. So yeah, i'm I, I totally agree with you. if you're if you expand it, you're asking for for way more problems and you're creating more problems that you really don't need to be created, that you're doing just for the sake of of uh, access, which just doesn't make sense to me.
3: We haven't th- th- we haven't talked a lot about this on the show, and I bet you haven't talked about it that much either because it hasn't been a primary topic of discussion. Do you think the bowl games are going to go off as normal? And here's why I asked that question. Because I think when you look at the, at the calendar, we know that kids were tempted by Halloween. And we got Thanksgiving, and we'll see how that goes next week. And then you've got Christmas. And kids are all going to go home. They're going to be around their relatives. I understand that teams are going to say, oh, you know, we got to be careful with that. But it seems to me that the possibility of having positive tests is is going to skyrocket in the wake of Christmas. And given that many bowls will be played after Christmas, it seems to me that's going to be almost impossible to police in terms of being able to play these games as scheduled. The bowl season seems like a total recipe for a mess.
1: Uh, especially if, you know, cases continue to skyrocket or whatever and you get back, like kids get back to campus after Christmas break and, you know, there's one false – or there's one or two positives and, you know, it's or, – or, you know, more positives from, you know, from family members. And then, you know, once they get back to, to being around their teammates, they – you know, contact tracing is going to be even more uh, of an issue. So, yeah, um, I, I think you'll have some bowl games, but I could foresee a, a situation where – after a couple of weeks, they're just like, you know what? Screw this. Like it's just, it's not. I know the TV uh, folks need content, and these are TV shows. But if you're going, if you're having half of your bowl games canceled because you're you're getting too many positive tests or contact tracing the week of the game, like that just seems it just seems unnecessary. So, uh, now I'd be floored if. If you don't have, you know, I would say, what do we have? We're down to like 35 after some bowls, you know, already canceled. It wouldn't surprise me if we're down in the the high teens in terms of games that are actually played.
3: Barrett Salee, I appreciate the time, my man. Appreciate you getting up early with us here on a Friday, and we will uh, talk to you hopefully in the near future. Hope you enjoy those uh, television advertisements, and uh, (laughs) good luck. Please, my fellow guy, come back. I miss you. Uh, that is Baron Salih, CBS Sports. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis.
2: My
3: thanks to Barrett Salee running through some of the challenges in the college football landscape and fingers crossed, knock on wood, knock on four Mike. I've been saying it all week. We're into Friday. There haven't been that many games canceled in the college football or postponed universe. So I think we're going to have a pretty normal set of games tomorrow and if that ends up being true that obviously is very helpful because next week is thanksgiving and then all the college kids get off campus so for all the games that are remaining as we go into december in theory that would mean that the kids that are on campus the athletes are going to have a lot less students to be interacting with and in theory that would mean that their odds of having positive cases positive tests are going to go down which means there's a better chance that all these games are going to get played so fingers crossed hopefully that is going to continue and we're going to have some success there uh but in the meantime we talked a lot about the best games that are coming up this weekend and frankly one that I think we should discuss that we didn't is uh is what's going on with the uh Packers on the road against the Colts Indy is a small favorite in this game, and it's kind of bounced back and forth in both directions since this game got uh, on the roster here. I don't really have any clue what's going to happen. The Packers have, at times, been really unimpressive, even though they are sitting at 7-2. and two. And I think even Packer fans are like, yeah, you know what? Sometimes I'll watch us play, and I don't think we're very good. Didn't look very good against the Jags last weekend certainly didn't look very good against the Vikings two weekends ago and got absolutely destroyed by the Buccaneers back in uh, mid-October. So you look at the last five games for the Packers, and you can argue that even though they went 3-2 and in those five games, that they really haven't looked very good in any of them except for the road game against the 49ers. Really? I mean, I don't think that's a crazy proposition to put out there. And so, destruction by the Buccaneers, poor effort against the Vikings that led to a uh, poor result, although the Vikings are starting to look a lot more respectable. So, maybe that defeat is not as bad as you would have been uh, concerned about. But, and the flip side is the Colts are the same way. You know, the Colts have been. Very enigmatic. When you look at the games that they have lost. Now, look, the Colts in the final twenty minutes against the Titans looked fantastic on Thursday, which was ten days ago. Now, basically, uh, by the time that game's actually played on Sunday, but the Colts didn't look very good at all against the Ravens. They didn't look very good at all against the Bengals. They lost to the Browns the first week of the season. They lost against the Jags. Against the Jags, I think both of these teams are good enough to get on a roll and advance to the AFC or the NFC championship. But also, I think both of them are uh, inconsistent enough that it wouldn't stun me if they either didn't make the playoffs. Maybe the Packers not making the playoffs would be a stunning uh, result, a little bit. But not stunning at all in the AFC, given the fact there's nine teams that are sitting at 6-3 and or better. There's going to be a couple of really good AFC teams potentially that get left out. Somebody might win 10 games and not make the AFC playoffs. Maybe even an 11-game winner. I don't think that's likely, especially because we're going to have seven teams. But when you're talking about being over halfway through the season and nine of the AFC teams have got six wins or more, I mean, you're definitely setting up potentially for a 10-win team to be left out in the cold and not be able to advance. So I'm not betting this game, giving you an early preview. I don't have a good read for it. I really don't have a very solid read for this game at all. And so as you kind of try to break it down, and I sit and look at every NFL game for a while, look at the data, think about what I've seen from those teams, try to think about what the matchups might look like in some way. And I don't have a good read at all in what's gonna happen in the uh in the Colts game against the Packers. I'm gonna watch. I'm pretty excited to see how it all shakes out, but I don't have a good sense. Aaron Rodgers traditionally very good in bowl in uh in domes. Why is he very good in bowls uh domes? Why is he very good indoors? Usually because he gets to play against the Lions, or historically because he gets to play against the Vikings. And those are two teams that he's able to take advantage of. But I feel like this Packer offense has a lot of weapons. And everybody's starting to come back healthy at wide receiver, running back. And if they're truly able to take advantage of that, then I feel like Aaron Rodgers as an underdog against the Colts is a phenomenal bet. But I'm just not that confident overall in the kind of performance I'm going to get from either of these teams, even though it's massive for both. Packers get this win. They're sitting very comfortable at 8-2. and two. If the Colts get the win, given the fact that the Titans are on the road against the Ravens, they could be getting set for the Titans to come to town in Indianapolis and have the opportunity to basically win the division next week. That's how much of a swing game this can be for both teams. Can't wait to watch it. Felt like we should mention it. All right, when we come back, top of hour three. Talk a little bit more about the big win for the Seahawks on Thursday Night Football, but also, what about cancel culture in the NBA for a guy who worked 32 years and got fired for one tweet. His name is Grant Napier. He was at the Sacramento Kings. I think you guys are going to love part of the conversation that we had. I'm going to fill you in on the details for that next. It's an unbelievable story, a sad testament to the world that we live in right now. I'll talk to you about it. This is Outkick on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
2: Auto Parts.